0: good evening ladies and gentlemen and bulldog fans everywhere i'd like to welcome you to the inaugural episode the very first numero uno the absolute beginning of the hail state shockwave podcast i am your co-host uh colton watson
1: and i'm your other co-host gavin longazino
0: and we'd like to just thank you for listening before we even start um we're just going to dive right in. We hope that you've listened to our introduction uh, to get a little bit more of what we're about. But we're going to start right off the bat talking about some of the things that we know you want to hear about. And obviously the hottest ticket in the state of Mississippi right now, uh, with no due respect to the Mississippi State or to the old Miss Rebels, excuse me, hosting baseball in Oxford, Mississippi. The hottest ticket in the state of Mississippi is, in fact, the Starkville Regional uh, startable NCAA Baseball Regional, which is happening uh, starting tomorrow uh, at 12 o'clock for the first game in Startable, Mississippi at Mississippi State on Duty Noble Field. Uh, first thing um, we just want to talk about is just this matchup with Southern University. Uh, Southern's out of the SWAC, the mighty Southwestern Athletic Conference, Um. We've played a few SWAC teams this season. Uh, Texas Southern gave us the most trouble with a five to one win. Um, all the other SWAC teams we played, Jackson State, Auburn State, they haven't been close. Uh, that's by virtue by virtue of the of just the you know the league that they play. It's you know all due respect to Southern and the, all those teams. Uh, it's a different animal, you know, in the SEC. Uh, Southern.
1: Um, not much besides, you know. As many people have stated, uh, they're just going to come out, pitch well. Um, and, I mean, they're a pretty solid team, obviously. They made the tournament. so
0: That's right. So, although it is, you know, a lesser league, is, is, and I said that with all due respect uh, to the Southwestern Athletic Conference, um, they, they just there's just not the same resources that they have in SEC and it's, you know, for uh, most of those universities. But uh, this is not a slouch even out of this league, uh, they won their conference championship game, uh, like 15 to zero. Uh, they are, were the best team in their conference and they historically have been a decent team, um, for a while. Um, their coach has goals to become, maybe not this season, but, he, but, you know, if it is this season or in the future, he, he wants to become the first historically black college university to make it to Omaha. And I think that's a cool goal for him to have. um, they played uh, LSU twice this year and beat them one time. They lost 17 to 4 the first game but beat them 7 to 1 uh at Southern University. So they are nobody to uh to sleep on by any means or by any stretch of the imagination. Um they are not throwing their ace Logan uh or Gavin, I said Logan Zeno. Uh-huh. Gavin. <laughs> <laughs> they're not. You'd,
1: you'd honestly be surprised how often
0: I get that. Uh, I went by my last name in high school, so I, going to college, people call me my first name. I, I wasn't used to it at first. So. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, anyway, uh, their ace is named Eli Finney, and he's actually not going tomorrow. Um, I don't know if he's hurt or if they're saving him because you know we're not throwing our ace tomorrow either. Uh, I don't. I don't know. I don't like the plan. If I'm Southern University, to not throw your best guy in the first game because it's going to be hard for them to win this region if they don't win the first game. But um, they're throwing a guy named Jerome. It's hard to say this name, Jerome Bohannon. Jerome Bohannon the third. Um, Bohannon will be making his 14th start, which leads the team. He only has a three and five record. And a six six three ERA out of the SWAC conference, which, I mean, what does that tell you, Gavin?
1: Um, I mean, I hate to disrespect him because he's obviously a pretty talented guy. If he's on a college team, you know, that made the tournament, but out of the SWAC conference, and he's what did you say, six six three ERA?
0: Six six
1: three. Yeah, that's a good ways up there. Maybe he, you know, maybe he I... pitched against LSU. Maybe that's what happened.
0: That might, he might have, you know, that one. He might have given up, you know, 13 runs of those 17 against LSU or something. I don't know. Uh, that is a good point. The three and five record is a little bit, you know, record that can be a little bit deceiving, but five losses on, a, on one pitcher that's a starter that won their team. You know, I feel like that they've got, you know, obviously he's not the number one guy, but uh, he's given up. 64 hits in 58 innings, so better than a hit per, or worse than I should say, I guess, than a hit per inning, which is not what you'd expect from you know the guy that they're putting you know, they're putting it on, on him to go win this game for him. They want him to match up uh, JT, yeah, I know. And, and uh, their coach, I'm familiar with JT, their coach worked one of their coaches worked in a capacity where they got to had to watch him in high school, so they know what they're getting into. But here's the thing, uh if you're if you're playing a four seed and not getting the best guy, that sounds just too good to be true. It usually is. This guy it makes you think that this guy is just going to have an otherworldly start against us somehow <laughs> because of the nature of just what our yeah. luck. <laughs> you know? Because
1: we're Mississippi
0: State. <laughs> yeah, because we're Mississippi State. This dude's going to go and and throw a complete game, like a complete game. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> um. He has he th- throws three pitches for strikes, but the main part of his game is he has a changeup that he can throw at any count uh kind of like you know kind of like plumley maybe he probably doesn't have that sinking action but plumley plumley can spot up several different pitches you know just right and they the if you went if you saw the anything from the press conferences they had all day uh, today on the thirtieth uh their coach likes. Acts like he's just really up and down, and if he's up, then he's fantastic. Yeah. So that's the that's what I'm thinking the deal is. I think there's hoping to get the up version of uh, Bohannon, and that if it's, they get the down version, they'll just have to live with it.
1: Dangerous way to play the postseason.
0: Hey, when you you got to do what you got to do when you're the lower seed. Sometimes, uh, man. Another thing, you know, we were not, Gavin, overwhelming you know, with our offense by any stretch of the imagination, uh, in Hoover. Um, now the week before that, you know, we put up almost four, we put up almost 40 runs or over 40 runs in three games against South Carolina. So, you know, but last, but this last week coming off a slow start. Now we had a bat out of the lineup, you know, what do you think it needs to change or is it just, you know, something something that's part of the game?
1: Um, you know, I I like to think it's part of the game, just for, you know, our sake going into the postseason right now. But um, I don't know. There's guys when you see guys like like Tanner Allen and Justin Foskey who just hit the crap out of the ball all year long. Um, I mean, you know, Gotra is doing something right with the guys, so that gives me a good bit of hope. And obviously, you know, Jake Mangum's gonna go 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 up there and get hits like. <sighs> Um, the beginning of our lineup really doesn't concern me besides maybe Jordan Westburg, It's just closer to the end of the lineup where, you know, guys have hit or miss weeks or games or just whatever. But, um, you know, we wouldn't be a one seed in this tournament if we weren't, if we, if we weren't capable of going and scoring runs and uh, winning ball
0: games. No, that is a good point. Um, you know, like I, I tend to agree with you, uh, you gotta believe that Jake's gonna be fine uh the guy isn't ugh, excuse Bless you. Me, goodness gracious. thank you thank you the guy you know the guy isn't the leading hitter in s e c history you know without good cause uh you know that magnum is as clutch a hitter as they come um
1: and he's back in the lineup
0: i think I, huh yes, he will be back in the lineup uh per sources Gavin actually had a source on that yeah. um if you saw on Twitter today. There is part. There is you know, the word around the the media t- the media sessions today was that he will be available in some capacity, which doesn't sound very definitive. But uh, we have good word from a good source that uh, he will be playing tomorrow, and that uh, something something else would have to develop for that not to be the case. Yes. Uh, good to know. Um, but yeah, like you know. I think you're. I like what the back end of our lineup has done too. I think there's not really a gap in there, unless, like I said, you're maybe more more likely to have just a bad night or a bad matchup that day with some of those plug and play guys like your Hancock's of the world and your Cumbases and your uh, Hatchers, maybe. Yeah. But um, my number one concern is, like you said, I'm you're a little bit worried about Westburg, and I wonder. You know, I told people this that when I when they asked, you know, when I had these conversations with my friends and family, West. And I'm just being completely honest. We're not going to pull punches on this podcast. Uh, we're going to be straight up with everybody. West Westberg did not look like his 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 look in his eyes. He didn't look like he was in, had his head in the game at all at Hoover. You know, it looked like he was coming off a breakup or something for for crying out loud. You know, uh, got moved down in the order. I'm not sure. That's
1: what I, I was. The only about time to say. I to time remember. Him base. Think, other than you think he'll stay in that? It anyway?
0: was like I hit by pitch. I don't know. That's a great question. Well, uh, it depends on how. I think that's definitely going to just depend on how practice went. I I really like our our lineup with the rowdy getting moved up. You like it better? See, that would be more like last season.
1: I like having rowdy in
0: two hole. The only reason I would tend to disagree with you is we're over two with that lineup. That's true. (laughs) Or over one, maybe. Did we did we use that lineup twice? I think just just a no. It was just
1: once because when I was in Hoover, that first game Westburg. The first game, whenever I was in Hoover, which was, um, shoot, I can't think right now. The Vanderbilt game. Yeah, Vandy. That's when Westberg was still in the two hole. And then during the LSU games when he got bumped down. So,
0: okay. Yeah. That, uh, if you're, if I'm honest, I, I'm least satisfied with our offense in the games where we did score against LSU versus the game that we didn't score at all against Vanderbilt. We hit some balls hard against Vanderbilt right at people. We, uh, out-hit them six to three, which isn't a lot, and they really didn't have a lot. But uh, they, their pitcher had one of the best days he's ever had. Um, runners are scoring. We had a lot of hits. Obviously, in 17 innings you're going to have some hits. A lot of hits against – in the first game, we just could not get the key hit, the clutch hit. Nobody in scoring position was uh, batted in hardly all that game until the end. And then uh, – or at the very beginning and at the end. And then couldn't, really could not do anything. And, uh, we, had that big, they, we had that big inning that might have happened to, like, come back after they jumped on us 5-0 in the uh, third, second LSU game. But then it got kind of squashed by an untimely strikeout, and then we never got it going after that. Yeah. <sighs> um, another is, you know, what we think of this pitching matchup, with, uh, not really the matchup, but what we just think of our rotation. You know, we got Gen throwing – I'm a bit surprised by
1: that. Are you? Um, I mean, I was expecting Plumley more than anybody, just so you know, if we we can go into Sunday pitching again, and that's basically guaranteeing a win. But, you know, I feel like as of late, Gin and Plumley have really been interchangeable. Both of them have been unbelievable. So
0: I uh, think I tend to agree. The only thing I'm concerned with is JT has been that guy, and we saw when he missed a couple starts, he's been that guy that if anybody needs a little bit more rest, it'd be him. And he'd be going on just the one week's rest. Yeah. Whereas Peyton barely threw it all last week. Uh I think he I think he came in a little bit. I'm not positive on that. My memory's uh failing me, you know. It's been a long day. But uh Okay, so Plumlee goes on Sunday of the regional, uh, and that means small is slated slated for Saturday, and like we said, JT Ginn will go in the Friday game. Um, a little bit, like we said, a little bit surprised, thought uh, Plumlee might go then, but it's fine. Um, you think about how it's going forward, you know, if that our rotation's kind of backwards, okay, the Super Regional game would probably be Friday, wouldn't it?
1: Yeah. So um, we make it... Go ahead. No, you got it. I would just, I would expect our lineup, or our rotation, my bad, to um stay the same, I want to say throughout the postseason, but at least to the Super Regional, because um, as you said, JT again, you know, he's had fatigue issues or whatever you want to call it throughout this year. So I just think that uh, it'd be best for everybody to go ahead and get their full week of rest in, you know, heading into Omaha. If God forbid we make it that far, but uh, if we can't make it that far, you know, I just want everybody to go in fully rested, but you know, we don't make those calls. so
0: That's right. Um, You know, the thing about smog on Saturday is not only is, you know, typically nowadays you want your, your big guy, your big time starter. If you're the tire seed especially to go on Saturday. Uh, here's the, the cool thing about that. If, if Miami comes out of the, that other game and at, into the winner's bracket, should we beat Southern? We have to get past Southern, of course. Uh, and we can break down Miami and central Michigan in a second, but Miami swings a lot of left-handed bats. They've got a lot of lefties in that lineup. And, uh, Small is outstanding against everybody, but uh, he's out of his mind against lefties. Um, he's he's a smart pitcher. He knows how to use that advantage to the fullest extent, that slight advantage that left-handers have over their fellow left-handers in the batter's box. And uh, as a Southpaw, I don't think Ethan's going to – I think Ethan's going to have a strong day if Miami and Mississippi State both end up playing each other. If they're either both lose or both win, um, You know, it gives us the best chance to get – also gives us a good matchup if we end up playing Central Michigan. Central Michigan could swing the bat. Um, as we get into this breakdown, uh, I've talked to Gavin about this a little bit before. They've got three guys hitting 350. Uh <laughs> they the, They've stolen 88 bases. Um, they've won 18 games in a row out of the MAC conference. And, you know, like, like we said before, you know, all due respect, the MAC isn't the SEC. It's not the ACC or even the Big 12 or Big 10. But uh, – 18 games in a row is impressive. You know, three guys batting 350 is impressive. Uh, half a dozen guys with over half a dozen home runs is impressive. Um, they can swing the bats. So, really makes that Miami uh, Central Michigan game very intriguing. I'm going I'm, – I don't know about you. I'm going to that game most likely Friday night.
1: Um, I won't be able to make it, unfortunately. But
0: It's tough. It'd be like that sometime. I'm going to try to uh, get there
1: Sunday. Gavin's,
0: away. Gavin's got obligations. Uh, I, my job leaves me off on the weekends. Gavin's does not always, so it's tough being us, but we'll we'll, <laughs> we'll survive. You know, we'll survive. I'm stay I'm living in star right now, so I get that, all that benefit. Gavin's not. I'll so, be there in uh, two years. Counting down the days, big guy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so uh, that you know. We'll probably get into more – we'll be able – you know, High Sites 2020, we'll be able to get into this in our next episode after the regional is over and just talk about more, you know, stuff that's already happened. Uh, and then we'll get to break down a super regional, and that'll be real fun. But uh, moving on to some other things. All right. Moving on from actual, you know – X's and O's, you know, matchups, predictions. We got a kind of a fun topic we could talk about. And uh, probably a better question. Uh, the question would be Does Jake get a statue? But Gavin wrote these out and he says, Where do we put Jake's statue? Because he, <laughs> he said, It's a done deal. Jake's got one.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, I'd have to agree. I'd have to agree. I think he does got get one.
1: Uh, if the SEC um, hits record played anywhere else in the country, they'd have a statue at their home stadium.
0: That's right. And we're not, until recently, we are not a statue program. We're not a retiring numbers program. We have a ring of honor in football. I think we retired Bailey Howell's number in basketball. I'm not sure. We're not big on the individual things that a lot of teams are. You know, Tennessee is big on that. Uh, Ole Miss is big on that. Um, but then we go and we put Thunder and Lightning's, you know, we didn't retire the numbers. But we put, we put uh, Will Clark and Rafael Palmero's statue in front of the stadium. And you're like, dang! Now we have a guy who is every bit the candidate for a statue as those guys, and that in Jake Mangum. Yep. And you got to just think, you know, who else that better embodies this program than what he's done? You know, if there's any kids listening to the show, be like Jake Mangum, and maybe you're not going to be able to switch hit and bat 400, okay, <laughs> but you could run down first base, 100 miles an hour on every slow slow grounder to the pitcher ever. You can run to the base so hard and have a reputation of running bases so hard that you make an LSU second baseman bobble a ball because he knows he has to throw the ball quick and accurate and fast and score the game-tying run in the bottom of the 16th inning in a game you'll eventually win because you're Jake Mangum and you just hustle every play. You know, you can you can dive for fly balls and, and absolutely bust your tail getting out, get into those balls and saving runs instead of being content to let those balls hit the ground and drive in. You know, guys on second and third because you hustle and you play the game the right way. Uh, and that's Jake Mangum. Mm-hmm. You know, even if he doesn't hit the ball as much as he does, I he honestly couldn't you... think
1: of a better example of what a good baseball player should embody. Jake Mangum is it.
0: You know, he work ethic is there. The hustle is there. But I'll tell you what's not there. The the you know, foul pole power isn't and obviously he hit a home run against Florida this season that was over the scoreboard. So it's yeah. it's there at some point. But the super brawny muscle that you see on some of these baseball players, you know, I love Mike Trout, but that dude's a soldier, okay? And that's something <laughs> some things you just you just got it and some people just don't, okay? As far as that just Meaty bill that you see with you know your John Carlos Stanton's and your Aaron Judges and your, you know your, the Soto kid at oh in Washington that's just that's like twelve years old and like hitting eight hundred foot bombs.
1: Austin Riley. Uh,
0: Austin Riley <laughs> <laughs> could be wearing maroon and white if the, the cards have failed just a little bit differently. You know Jake doesn't have that, but he's still the best baseball player on the team and the one of the best baseball players if not the best position player in the SEC. Uh, and like I said, like we've said, you know, breaking – he broke a hits record without starting his entire freshman year and with a broken hand his sophomore year and is still running away with the hits record. That was a record that was set in an era where I could have gotten a hit, the way those <laughs> balls and bats were built. And, you know, back pitchers went a fast pitcher through 89. And you've got a, an aluminum bat that's, you know, probably – could launch a tennis ball, you know, 450 feet if you hit it hard enough. You know, we've got – that's, you know, this gorilla ball era. He's not played in that era. He's played in the era of what I like to call the happy medium era because, you know, 2013, that that Omaha run, those those balls didn't go far enough, I don't think. They had the the dead bats and the dead balls. Now they've got the dead bats and the not-quite-so-dead balls. I think it's the best happy medium that we could have, you mm-hmm. know. But Jake's setting this in an era where where – you know, 11 home runs is a lot, you know, look back, look back in the nineties and SEC 11 home runs used to be easy. Okay. You know, 15 to 15 to 19 ball games. were not that rare. Like they are now, uh, you know, just shows you how much that record means and how much that record is not going to be broken uh, anytime soon. Because if you're starting for three years in SEC, you're going pro. You're not going to, you have to start four years to break this record. Mm-hmm. And, you can't nobody in the SEC nowadays is turning down that money after three years of starting in the toughest league in baseball. So is he
1: still eight for all all time D one He athletes? is
0: his next hit his next hit ties in for fifth in the fifth. NCAA. I believe if y'all check me on that and it's wrong. Of course y'all y'all listen this is recorded before the regional starts. Uh so Y'all need to, you know, hold your horses on any of our stats that we check. You know, this might all fall apart. But he is – his next hit, I think, ties him for fifth in the NCAA. He doesn't – he's got to get, you know, like some close to 50 hits. I think 40 hits. He's got to get like 40-something hits to tie the NCAA record, which is improbable and probably not feasible. But he can make a run at 400 hits. He can get, you know, 28 more um, if we we do play, you know, make through Omaha – you know, that'd be 10 games. That's 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 achievable, not likely, but achievable. Um, especially if we lose a couple of games and fight through and win some, win some of these things anyway. You know, if we do a three-game Super Regional or a five-game Regional and still win, you know, that'll make it even more likely. All right. Another thing, you know, you've obviously probably all heard of this new transfer quarterback that's uh, coming in from Penn State, rejoining his new – his old, I should say, offensive coordinator, Joe Moorhead, who's now a head coach at Mississippi State. Uh, this Tommy Stephen Kidd is interesting. What do you know about the kid, Gavin?
1: Um, not much besides he's about to – apparently he's about to push Keaton to the limit, which, I mean, if you ask me today, Keaton Thompson is going to be a week one starter. But then then again, you have to look at it from the other side saying – Tommy Stevens is a grad transfer. He has one year of eligibility. You know, why is he coming to Mississippi State if Keaton Thompson is so good? So then that makes you kind of think like Joe Moorhead guaranteed him a job. So we'll have to see what well, what happens with it. If
0: you're looking at Tommy's situation, there's some facts that we have, and then there's some. Let's just lay down strict facts. Tommy Stevens has transferred. Tommy Stevens has one year left. Tommy Stevens has been quoting and saying he wants to play professional football. He's not, another fact is, he's not going to play professional football as, as a quarterback if he is not a starting quarterback at least one year. That's not going to happen. He has never been the full time starter at any season in his Color career. He's not going to be if he doesn't become the starter soon. That means we can conclude from that, it's a logic puzzle. We can conclude from that that he believes, Tommy Stevens believes, that he will be the starter next year. Does Joe Moorhead believe that right now? That's not – that's up for debate. Is Keaton Thompson resigned to that now? Um, absolutely not. Keaton still is still gunning to be that starter. I think Keaton He's Thompson
1: has posted a workout video every day since Tommy Stevens transferred.
0: I was just about to go there. He is, in, he is around the coast in all New Orleans working out with, like, these, like, intense uh, companies that train athletes doing some really – he does this really cool drill where he picks up a 15-pound medicine ball and drops back like he's passing it in this deep sand that's like hard to step in and out of. <laughs> I don't know how productive <laughs> it is, but it looks like it's very productive. <laughs> if you've seen that uh, that drill, you can follow his Instagram. <laughs> um, he's grinding. Um, what I think the most interesting thing about this is, is if you watch Thomas Stevens' highlights, he is a, you can get it out of your heads if you haven't seen him play. We're not getting the Peyton Manning, Tom Brady pocket passer. That, we, that some of y'all want, um, I'm going to be completely honest with you. If you do anything in football winning-wise without a quarterback that can at least run a little bit, like Dak Prescott running or more, I'm going to be incredibly surprised. You have to run if you're a quarterback yeah, nowadays. Yeah. It's And, you know, your grandfathers and maybe your dads or your older folks are like, throw the ball. And, yeah, we got to throw the ball. But receivers – the way that people play receiver there's a lot more trick and finesse to it that you have to learn that you would, that you would think. Whereas the DBs, if you're fast and strong, uh, you can dominate this league. You got to be smart, fast, and strong, but you don't have to, it's not as much of a learning curve for the defensive backs. And what that means is sometimes you're not going to be able to pick part of defense. You know, if it's a good, if it's that, that LSU defense we're used to, or if it's that uh You know, that Alabama front seven where you're, you know, under pressure in two seconds uh, or less, you're not going to just be able to pick apart those teams. You're going to have to be a complete team, and part of being a complete team, I think, is a quarterback that can do both. Now, notice I said both. You're also not going to win games if you can't throw either. He's got to be able to do both. Mm -hmm. I think Tommy Stevens and Keaton Thompson can do both. Um, Most definitely. Tommy Stevens is athletic. Let me just – that's, that's the point of what I was trying to say about the running quarterback. Tom Seasons is, is a dual-threat quarterback. He is not your, you know, your Archie Manny Archie Manning actually did run the ball. He's not like Eli that Ole Miss had. Archie Manning did run the ball. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I wasn't around him, but that's what I've been told. So, like I said, you're going to have two athletic quarterbacks, but the thing with two athletic quarterbacks, that, and both of these guys have played multiple positions before – and he tried to do it a little bit with Nick and fit with Nick and Nick and Keeton this year. I wish we'd have done it more. Is yeah. two quarterbacks on the field at the same time. I think that just opens up the game so much. I love that idea. Who
1: did um, who did we pull that out against? Was it Florida?
0: I think it was Florida. It was at home. It was either Florida or Auburn yeah. that we tried to do that. There was one series where we pulled Nick out and Keton started a series and he got like sacked on the first down, incomplete on in the second down. Uh, set up the punt on third down and then punted, um, no. so that didn't work. But uh, I think we did try that a couple times, and I think we had the dude. I think in one play we had the dude wide open, and there was like a penalty that like killed it. Yeah, you know, does that does that make sense? Does that seem familiar to you?
1: Yeah, it definitely does. I think I think it was the Florida yeah. game.
0: <clears throat> yeah, um, we are not about to go watch hours of game film and find exactly when that happened, but take our word for it. We remember there being two (laughs) quarterbacks on the field at least once this season. Uh, I do think that um, – because there's dozens of highlights. Tommy Stevens scoring touchdowns without throwing the ball with Trace McSorley, his starter, on the field at the same time. And his touchdowns him throwing the ball, too. The dude can throw. Uh, I like that idea just as much, if not more, than the whole, you know, whoever's the starter is going to be extremely – and pushed to win this uh, job because of the competition behind him. You know, I kind of think maybe st- – I still think Casey's a starter, but I kind of like the idea. Stevens does most of the actual quarterbacking stuff this season. Keaton stays because he's in the offense a lot because we're putting him in these packages. you got the Saquon-esque, Kylan Hill there beside him, Keaton and Tommy all in the field at the same time, outstanding athletes. Keaton's on the field, gets catches, gets rushes, gets passes. And then next season, Garrett Schrader has redshirted. He has got one season to sit behind Keaton to play. Keaton's a senior, leaves us, you know, as a senior quarterback, that's passing so all sure over the place. And then you got Schrader coming in in 2021 as a redshirt sophomore, you know, who is – that's, that's Joe Moorhead's guy. Both of these guys – Tommy Stevens is more kind of Joe Moorhead's guy. But for Mississippi State, Garrett Schrader – is who that, – that is the – your next most likely guy to be to be Dak Prescott. And that is – that's blasphemy. I don't know. With, obviously, you can't make that prediction right now. But that is the guy who we have handpicked to run this offense at this school in this kind of system and style for Mississippi State. What, okay.
1: what blows my mind so, is two years ago, I would have said the same thing about Keaton Thompson.
0: I, I said the same thing about Keaton. And I still think – Keaton in high school was better than Dak in high school. For sure. That is that's that's almost undebatable if you go watch the tape.
1: Or he had uh, like 75 touchdowns his senior year.
0: Dak or Keaton? Keaton. Yeah, no, Keaton was was insane. Yeah. And he and played in a big school. Dak Dak went to a smaller high school yeah. too. Uh Keaton went to that uh Landry High School in New Orleans, I think. Yeah, Landry Same Walker. High school as Walker. Landry Walker. That's right. Uh he is, you know, he's dominant. Um, the thing is, does I don't know, and I know he's a competitor and a gamer, but does he have the vocal leadership and those intangibles that Dak had? And will he be able to, you know, if if he wins this competition by by Chuck, by you know cinching up his jockstrap and just grinding it, that's going to tell me a lot about Ketan and that he does have that ability that Dak had to be the best man and the best player on the field. Yep. Because uh, that's what Dak was. Dak was the best guy and the best player uh, for Mississippi State those years. Um, and he is, and I would you could say the same thing for Dallas right now, uh, one of the best, the most important guys and probably the best, one of the best important players and probably the best, one of the best guys on the field. The most vocal
1: Benton by far. Who? I would say Dak's the most vocal by far on the Cowboys right now.
0: Yes, he is. Him, Zeke's real vocal. He's real vocal. They're both. And young too. You love to see that out of a young guy. Yeah. You know, I guess they're getting their season of veterans now. he to start this fourth year. Yeah. But uh anyway, love love watching those two plays. My favorite that was my peewee team in football, so I'm a big Dallas guy. <laughs> All right. Um Gavin, you wrote Isaiah Zuber on this uh, on yes. this sheet. going you gonna tell me a little bit more about that?
1: All right, so this is this is breaking news, but like Colton said earlier, it probably won't be breaking news by the time this is uploaded. Um, Isaiah Zuber is from Kansas State University. He's a wide receiver transfer. Oh, we got that guy. He's it's not confirmed, but he went on a visit today. Went on so a visit today. Okay, yeah, he is highly That's interested good. in Mississippi State, according to Hale State CFB on Instagram. So. Enjoy the shout out. When, uh, because uh, you beat me to it, sir.
0: He did. Um, that dude's fast on on that kind of news. He always beat he beats me to it about eight times out of ten <laughs> because I'll go check Twitter or something and I'll be he follows all these recruits, first of all. That's how he does it. Yeah. But uh I don't have that kind of time or dedication because I, I don't have you know, he's he's either got his post notifications on or he's watching them like a hawk. Yeah. And so we will we'll go
1: ahead and shout out uh, CMac Mac one, two, four, five. He has a question for us. He says, do you think we get Isaiah Zuber? Um,
0: here's the thing. It depends on who else he's looking at. Yeah. I don't know who else that is at this point. Uh, we could get back in a later episode of who else he's looking at. Um, it depends on, and when he comes to visit, he'll, he'll will look come talk to the quarterbacks. Depends on how well he thinks they can move, uh, throw the ball around. Depends on who he thinks is ahead of them because our receiver class, our receiver room right now, and it says weird. I've said this last year too. Our receiver room is deep, even though we're not getting the production of our receivers that we like. It, there's there's some dudes in there.
1: All right. I will say it's um, deep, but it is not impressive. You know, if I'm you if I'm it's a, deep
0: but not impressive.
1: Yes. If I'm a if I'm a wide receiver recruit, and I look at Mississippi State's room, I'm saying yes, yeah, it's deep. There's a lot of talented guys, but there are no superstars. And you know, coming that's into last good, year, we're that's saying superstars. we're saying Stephen Gidry's our superstar, um, Devontae and Jason's our superstar. superstar, and then you know, after, I mean, you said we're not being homers, so I'll go ahead and say this right now, but uh, last year mm-hmm. I was I was not impressed with Stephen Gidry in the least bit at all.
0: No, he uh he was disappointing in that yeah. play and against Iowa. Mm-hmm. I've never in my life put one play one a game on one play by one player except that one. Yeah. (laughs) And I I hate to do that to him. He not only dropped the touchdown, but he physically handed it and said, here you go to (laughs) the defensive back for Iowa. I mean like
1: not only It was the most
0: improbable thing I've ever seen.
1: Like that's that's fine. Like sure Stephen Gidry like you know he has the physical stuff, but it's like when you watch him play, it's like he does not care at all.
0: He and I'll tell you what, I've got some into the inside scoop on Stephen Goodry. Um, I'm not going to reveal sources, but <laughs> I have a lot of inside knowledge about how Stephen Goodry was at junior college, mm-hmm. at Hines Community College, where he was the number two player in all of junior college and across the country uh, coming into Mississippi State. And he is that typical, you know, sources. So he is, don't be surprised if he comes across as that typical Odell Beckham-ish Antonio Brownish wide receiver, diva type attitude. Yeah, which attitudes are something that are important, but that real players and real coaches can and good players and good coaches can work around. Um, so it's not a deal breaker. And like I said, if Odell Beckham is acting that way and Antonio Brown's acting that way, I think they're I think those are pretty decent football players. Uh, Gavin, do you agree? I'd agree. Are those guys? Are they okay at football?
1: Um, I mean, they're no like Jamie on Lewis, but yeah.
0: <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> no Fred Ross. No. But, <laughs> <laughs> <Anybody>? <laughs> but uh yeah, those uh, he is a little he's a little bit of a finesse player. And so what happens is you get in the SEC and some of these guys are just mm-hmm. like yeah. Yeah, big physical fast and, and Stephen Giger is fast and graceful. He kinda mm-hmm. if you ever watch, you gotta go way back and mm-hmm. you gotta watch Lance Allworth from brookhaven Mississippi play for the San Diego Chargers a long time ago uh, he was, he's one of the uh, top 40 b- best football players that ever lived but he played in the 60s so you don't probably don't remember him um, he's graceful he's a he's a graceful smooth athlete and I'm not sure whether that's translated into the SEC no, because we were these people are, are not your face he's all,
1: coming okay? in and we're expecting him to be what wop is going to be if that makes
0: sense that's right. Wap is a big dude. You ever seen Wap? Wap's, Wap's a little. Wap
1: is a big body, moss on your mama. Wap
0: is thick. You know, you think all those football players have abs <laughs> and stuff? Wap ain't Mr. Meal. And he is out there <laughs> out-muscling and out manning, and he's still fashioning most of those guys out there. Yeah. Uh,
1: a, I know that i played
0: freak. basketball with Wap before. Uh, he's he's going to be a, he redshirted. He played his minimum four games to – or maximum four games to redshirt, so he's still got four years left. I like that. I like him, and keeps on throwing together a lot, and him and Schrader. That's what. Uh,
1: that was my next question for you. Um, do you think whoever whoever wins that starting job at quarterback does that affect our receivers, our starting receivers?
0: It it just depends. See, that's something I can't answer because that's going to have to be in their hearts and minds. I don't think it's. It, it, you know, they're going to want. If you're a receiver, you're going to want the best guy there, just like anybody does. Okay. You might lean towards whoever is the best passer. You might just think in your head, this guy's a better football player because he's a better passer than this guy. And but you're probably but they're only thinking that because they're the ones receiving. They want the better passer. Yeah. Now, the best and here's something that's shocking. And everybody, you know, hold your horses here. Not always is the best thrower of the football the best quarterback on the field. Yeah. I know I agree. That's shocking. That's people were dogging Nick Fitzgerald last year. Fitzgerald was a was not a great passer, but was still a very, very good, if not great, quarterback. Yeah. Okay. So does for what we were trying to do, especially with Dan Mullen. Huh?
1: I guess the more direct question would be does let's say let's say WAP is a starter, right? Because they're going in and Joe Mo is thinking like Ketan and WAP have all this chemistry from high school, right? Uh-huh. And then mm-hmm. Tommy wins the job is WAP no longer a starter because Jomo put that much on chemistry?
0: I don't think – I think chemistry, I I believe it's real, but if that's an an overrated enough term, I don't think that's going to affect who we see on the field. It might not sit with WAP very well, and he might be a little bit mopey about it. But as the season goes on, you know, your first couple games are against Lafayette and uh, Southern Miss, Kansas State at home. If uh, if WAP can't get over that, um, I would quit, that that's on Watt. Uh yeah. I don't think, like I said, who, who's your starters at receiver? Watt, Mitchell and Gidry at the at those outside receiver guys? You know we need combination of those two, the th- two of those three. Um, I like Osiris Mitchell to be honest. I was he was he dropped some too. passes last year, but he was such a great surprise. Osiris right, uh, Mitchell I, I,
1: and Austin Williams are my favorite receivers going into this year
0: austin williams and he does not drop passes and that's fantastic too um i wish we'd have gotten the ball him the ball more you know we talk with these receivers we haven't even mentioned malik deer who's one of my favorite players on the team because he's been around since uh like the 1998 sec championship (laughs) game it feels like
1: the hunter renfro Uh, of mississippi state part two that's
0: exactly right except he's not Uh getting as much touches as hunter renfro so nobody knows about that but he's been here for forever (laughs) that's true uh he stuck around. He could have transferred, could have left, but he stuck around with multiple injuries and redshirt years and medical redshirts. And my goodness, the dude's, you know, 35, got three kids and a job seller insurance right by now. <laughs> uh, But he's still here. And that dude looks slow when he runs, but you get out there on the field with him, and all of a sudden he runs right by you because it's deceptive. It's really – I like watching him play. He caught a big touchdown in the 55-20 win on a trick play against Ole Miss last uh, two years ago, three years ago now. Oof, I'm getting uh-huh. old. Anyway, I like uh, – I think our receivers will be good. I still want the Zuber kid because if he is that commanding, like that big dog personality, I don't think are any of our receivers, except for Wap who's too young, has that big dog personality, that takeover. And and if he is like that, uh, I think it would be a great addition to the team. Like I said, I don't know who's there. I think he would start if he came in. I don't know who else he's looking at, though, is the question. Um. <sighs> Another thing we want to talk about is just a mention. If um, you've probably heard by now, Reggie Perry's back for Hail State basketball. Uh, we're not going to cover it too much. Basketball is a long time down the road, but that is an SEC Player of the Year candidate, and probably he I would. I would be very surprised if he wasn't the most impactful player on the court for Mississippi State this season.
1: Easily, and or Tyson Carter in my boat.
0: Tyson Carter. I think it's between him and Weatherspoon. Um, and uh, there's rumor has do the suspension. Weatherspin might not, still might not play a couple games this year. Who knows what's going on with that? I'm, um, I'm
1: wondering if Nick Weatherspin plays next year in general.
0: He, I have heard from sources close to the team that he is staying here. If you follow him on Twitter, you know he's staying here, yeah. and he will play more than half the year for sure. That's what I've heard. Some I th- believe that something would have to change for that to not be the case. Yeah, I'm just um, I don't know
1: his. He kind of makes me wonder if he wants to play basketball, if that makes sense.
0: Ah, that's a, that's a fair point. I think anybody could have about Nick. I think I, I would I would I would question Lamar more than Nick. Uh, and he's gone, of yeah. course. Um, we're gonna miss him. Uh, was the the best decision maker 100 of the time. He was up and down. I think I like watching him. I best.
1: enjoyed watching Lamar. Probably um, he the some, quickest man he on the face of this earth. Face-
0: he 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 did some unspeakable things to people, and I would watch him. Obviously, he can't play pickup basketball. Uh, I've seen, but because that's big no no. You know, imagine getting imagine Terry your ACL playing. You know, at the YMCA. But he would come to the gym sometimes at, on campus and just you know watch us watch people, and then he'd get out there when they're on the other side of the court and just dribble and shoot a little bit. And watching that up close, I'm like, dang.
1: <laughs> you know, I play.
0: I've never looked at somebody and before I stepped in front of them thought I have zero chance to guard this person. I shouldn't even try. I've never thought that about anybody because I like to give myself a chance to play defense. If I'm playing basketball against anybody, I'm probably wrong most of the time. But I looked at Lamar Peterson, I have zero chance. I'm not even going to attempt <laughs> because that dude will absolutely snap me in half with the drill. <laughs> yep. um, Reggie Perry being back there, that your starters, you know, we've got some of those transfer and those red shirt guys that, could insert the way into this lineup. I don't know enough about them to make a judgment on them. But if you just took the guys that played last year, you've got Adu and Perry and Woodard, you know, as your big guys. Um, We'll be a big team, a bigger, stronger physical team next year. We have not had that tough post-play, that gritty post-play since. I think Gavin Ware has been here. So that's really cool that we'll have, you know, obviously Reggie Perry. He's going to work on being a strong finisher at the rim, that guy that's going to just tear the rim down instead of just trying to bounce it up there, you know. Uh, same thing with Adu, especially on defense. Adu is – a lot of people don't like how he plays on offense, but to watch him on defense. He is an absolute – he is a rim protector if there ever was one uh, in the Southeastern Conference. Um, and then you'd have Weatherspoon and Carter as your backcourt. And that would be a great set of guys uh, – that fight, starting five there seems pretty dangerous in the South Pacific Conference because there's a big vacuum of talent. As far as most of the best guys last year were either draft eligible or they're seniors. Yeah. So
1: I know our starting five is not a problem at all, but in my eyes, but I don't. Think what so. concerns yeah. me is the bench depth.
0: The bench depth. Yeah. They've got that. Uh, you know that that big six ten guy with the beard. I would see him all the time in, in, in town in Starkville. That, trans, that sat the bench all last year. That transferred or redshirted. Um, mm, his name is right now, but uh, he we we we've got some mystery guys, some you know freshmen coming in. Of course, we got some mystery recruits, you know, like guys we haven't gotten to see play yet that might crack that bench. Um, we can also talk about that with uh, better. We can talk about that with Big Schaefer's women's basketball team.
1: All right, so now heading into the back end of our podcast, we're gonna answer a few questions that you guys have um this time around i took the questions on my instagram at hail state wave but um for future reference just keep an eye on either colton or uh my instagram story colton's is at mississippi state wave and um we'll be taking questions for the podcast so just make sure you get those questions in so they can be answered uh, we got a few good ones today so first of all colton Josh wants to know our our predictions for the football team's record this upcoming
0: year. Predictions for the football team's record. So, what we got? You got to think about your games that we expect to win. We expect to win the homecoming game in November. First uh, three. We, we expect to win. Can't beat Kansas State at home. You know, Lord willing, expect to beat Southern Miss at home and Lafayette at the Superdome but then you got to think okay okay who what of these games that are going to be close do we not expect you know we've got Alabama coming in and LSU coming in and Ole Miss coming in I definitely expect to beat Ole Miss at home after how bad we beat them last year in Oxford um I don't think they've added anything terribly special that's going to give them an edge uh, I'm. I do think they lost I will a lot say I conference. am
1: very happy with Matt Corral being their starter for the next however long it is. That that makes me very happy.
0: You know, I have it, I don't think he shot enough to see how talented or not talented he is. I know Florida drop uh, took a, like dropped his commitment, and that's why he's at Ole Miss. So that makes as you know makes you think. And uh, but if he's gonna be as hot headed as he was. Uh, all his whole career, and as, as a lot of Ole Miss players tend to be, you know, you just start thinking of your Chad Kellys and your uh, Kim Deches and Bo Wallaces of the world. You know, all due respect to those guys, they, you know, they were they were some trouble, some troubled guys. You know, uh, not saying Mississippi State doesn't have guys like that, but uh, so it's more their stars seem to get kind of be, you know, walking that line when it comes to, you know, their behavior and off the field and stuff like that. If he's gonna be that excitable of a player. Uh, I don't know if he's been ready for the emotions. Because He wasn't ready for the emotions when he was getting, you know, blown out and he had only been there for one season, hadn't really learned <laughs> as much about the rivalry and the game was in hand and he was yeah. still getting, you know, throwing throwing punches. Jamal Goodness, so uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, I expect to beat Kentucky at home and, Goodness gracious! We've got to turn that into a yearly thing again. We've we've gone we've we've staggered, you know, lost the last two times we've been at Kentucky, and that's just hurt. That hurts my heart. Kentucky scares never. me every year. There's a track game every year, okay. but it's still a game that we should win. How many did we win in a row? We won several in a row before yeah. they beat us the first time with our down on our down year yeah. uh, on a last second field goal, and then last year we came out probably that's probably the worst game we played. Um, uh, we get to go to Knoxville. I expect State as hard as this play in that game.
1: Uh, two Auburn scares me.
0: Two Auburn. So here let's talk about the three or four that are tough for me. I think we get, I don't think we lose any more than two out of Alabama at home, LSU at home, at Auburn, at Texas A&M. We lose – no, we do not lose all four of those. We win at least one, probably two.
1: Jimbo. I think Jimbo is overrated, first of all.
0: I think – I don't know if Jimbo – I don't think Jimbo Fisher is overrated. I think that team this season is overrated because they lost a lot last year too. Um, I don't think Kelamond is a fantastic quarterback. I think he's okay. Uh, it just, I think we have won a lot of games. I know we've won a lot of games. We've won the last three against Texas A&M. Um, favorite or not a uh, huge upset several years ago 2016 when they came here the number four ranked team in the country and got beat handily um that was a fantastic <laughs> game so but on the road that's a tough place to play that we've been successful but still a tough place to play makes me wonder you know lsu coming in startable is now something that is, it used to be, a, you know, a given for them. You know, LSU's coming in here. It's over for, for you know, there's some darker years in our history. But nowadays, it's either been close the last couple of years or we've actually – we skull drug them last year. Yeah. So, I think – I think we win in Stark – in start board against LSU in College Station against Texas A&M. I'm not con- terribly confident about Alabama because it's Alabama. I think we're capable of beating Alabama at home. Uh I'm not sure how likely it'll happen. I'll give us, you know, 35% chance to win that game. And Auburn, I'm never impressed with Auburn. But going over there after how bad we got beat in there the last time we were there a couple years ago when they weren't, again, weren't that great of a team and we were pretty good. Uh, I said that was the year they that they did have a really good year that year. Yeah. Let me think.
1: Yeah, that was
0: that, the yeah, SEC championship year. Huh? Yeah. yeah. So no, but I still. That was when we had just beaten LSU, and everybody was like, "Oh man, we're so." And then we ended up kind of falling down. But uh, they they humbled us that year. Um, I still don't think you know after the year they had last year, the seven and five season. I don't know what they could do. You know, Auburn's always that team that could either be in the top five or b- barely make a bowl. Yeah, uh, which is odd. You know, to have out of Auburn, Gus Malzahn has a roller coaster program over there, but. uh I'm kind of iffy on that one. Definitely iffy on Alabama coming in here. Kind of like our chances to beat LSU at home, and I I'm thinking you know we have a decent shot to beat te- Texas AM on the road. Probably more confident. I don't know which. I'm probably a little bit more confident over LSU at home than uh, Texas A&M on the road. Uh, and that all depends on quarterback play, which you talked about earlier. Um, who's you know, there's a lot that goes into that. Better to ask us after we played three or four games.
1: Yeah, I. I I do think you have to look at our defense, though, and just say, you know, Bob Shoup's still there. This is Mississippi State. You know, defense doesn't really concern me. Yeah, we lost a ton of talent, but we're going to reload. We Sure, we probably won't be as good as next year, but, you know – or I mean, as good as last year, but, you know, we're – You know, we lost too.
0: a lot up front. I think we're going to reload. I think y'all are going to find out who Chauncey Rivers is this <laughs> season on that defensive front, and – uh You're gonna like what you see if you're a bulldog. Um, I think the step that our cornerbacks and our cornerbacks and our linebackers take. You got Maurice Maurice Smitherman, Cam Dantzler, and Leo Lewis, Errol Thompson, Willie Gay, and Tim Washington as your linebackers. Congrats to Cam Dantzler. He's a father now. is, Is gonna be insane. Congratulations to Cam Dantzler. I hope somebody, I hope Cam or somebody related to Cam or knows Cam, can tell him that we say congratulations. He Looks like he is loving fatherhood. Uh, if you follow him on Instagram, yep. he's having a great time doing, you know, doing right. You know, it's so hard to be a student athlete, a student and athlete, and a father. Goodness gracious, I couldn't imagine. Uh, I can barely handle being a student, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but he's doing a great job. Looks like glad that happened during the summer, so he could focus a lot on uh, that newborn and mom and all that. Anyway, uh, but yeah, Dantzler, Smitherman. Um, Our DBs could be the best in the SEC. That I think so sneakily they will be some of the best in the SEC. And, you, you know, you've got the Delpit kid, and a lot. Of, you know, Florida's always good in defensive backfield. We get slept on because we've had some bad pass defenses the last several seasons. But last year it was fantastic, and the year before that it was coming up. I think, you know, the 2016 year it was terrible. Yeah. But I think this year it's going to be – Surprising and those linebackers, I think if there is a step off from the defensive line, which I don't think is gonna be a big step off, obviously you can't replace Simmons and Sweat, you know, they're irreplaceable. Yeah. But I think those linebackers will rise to that occasion because they're all still here and they had all had I mean, Willie Gay was one of the only two guys the regular season to pick off two attack on Valoa and he sacked him. I mean, come on. And,
1: and Errol Thompson is a unit, so
0: Errol Thompson can uh he's good at football. Um <laughs> He is a adequate football player, to put it very, very lightly. <laughs> I'm excited to see what he's going to do. He's still – oh, man, I hope he stays after this year too. got any other questions for us?
1: Um, Just a few. Tyson McGuire wants to know Josh Robinson or Kylan Hill.
0: Okay, so who would I rather have? Yes.
1: Who are you taking? You can only have one.
0: I'm taking Kylan. Kylan's a better athlete and football player. Now, was Josh more productive? So far, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Josh had that – would Josh have been better – would Josh's senior year be better than any uh, – if he had come back, be better than maybe what every year <laughs> Kylan may have? Maybe. But Kylan Hill is just a man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, pure athlete. If you, he could – jump over people, he can make people miss uh with his shiftiness. He can run over people. He's strong. Um, like he said, he's he can catch passes out of the backfield. He's that, you know, he's that mini that mini Saquon. The poor and I hate to say poor man Saquon to like disrespect Kylie, but he hasn't proven that he can do that yet. But he's Barkley, he's Saquon Barkley esque. That's what Charles Huff and Joe Morehead Moorhead told him. And uh I think he's gonna be outstanding this year. Interesting to see if he stays this year. Depends on the market front of Max and how he does. Uh the thing is I'd hate for him to leave and be like a fourth round pick. If he doesn't have the year he's expecting to have, I hope whatever his decision is, I hope he hasn't already made his decision. Yeah. I hope that he will actually gauge it after this year. Yeah. Cause so, so. that
1: was one of my concerns the other day. Um, whenever was his name, Joe Quavius marks, I think the three-star mm-hmm. back who committed last week. Um, if you look at right. his commitment video, four star back, four, four star, back, four star, my bad. Um, in his commitment video, he was saying that, you know, he was like, well, one of the things that really sold me to State is Colin Hill will be leaving next year. Did you catch
0: on that? Yeah, he acted like he would be leaving. And I think, hmm, I hope not. Hey, I, honestly, I think he does. I don't think – I think Colin's ready to go make money. Yeah. But uh, not – I just – like I said, I, I don't mind when guys leave. That's the best with them. Jeffrey Simmons left and with, with the torn cruise ship was a first round pick. <laughs> absolutely the right decision. Uh I hate it, but mo you know the stats will tell you most non-seniors, which I guess would just be juniors, that enter the draft average about a third or fourth round pick. Mm-hmm. That's not worth giving up your education that you're gonna have to go back and get your degree because like average uh, time spent in the league is less than four years. You're gonna have to go back and get your degree. It's not worth it to only stay that long unless you're that first or second round pick. I mean, look at so, so it, and I hope Robinson. he is. I hope, I hope he's the number one overall pick because he's absolutely destroying people. Yeah. That's what I hope.
1: Josh Robinson left early though, and now I don't he, even know. he
0: left early and didn't stay in the league very long. Uh-huh. Um, his, he, I think there are some extenuating circumstances that he really needed to leave yeah. for his benefit, but uh, I wish you know I'd love to love for him to still be playing. I follow him on Instagram too. Um, he, you know, got a couple checks, did make some money in the league, but didn't have that long career that everybody has to have. And that's so hard as a running back, too. Running backs, you know, they're fra- they're not fragile, I should say. A lot of wear and tear on a running back. Yeah. So, hard to stay stay fresh. All right, I think we got time for one more question. What you got for us, Gavin? Mm,
1: I can only pick one.
0: Only pick one. We can answer more later. Uh we will have another. We probably probably record the next one before we announce questions too. If you have a bunch,
1: okay. Hold on. Let's see. Um. All right. One that I really like that we got, which is from the Klanga Network on Instagram. He has another great fan page. I I would tell everybody to go follow him. He asks, "Are Jake and Ethan Small first rounders?
0: First rounders." Um I think obviously we think they should be. I think, Jake I think Jake should be but will not. He's yeah that's exactly what I was gonna say. Jake's not going the first no. round. Um Jake should go in the top 10 rounds. It's and it's not Jake's fault cuz Jake's a better baseball player than 99% of people in this draft. But this this league, this professional baseball nowadays values uh 20 home runs or let's just let's be, you know, a little bit more hyperbolic or actually just more factual they'd rather you hit 35 40 home runs and bat 220 than hit five home runs and bat three 320 and that's sad to me um the numbers of actual baseball you know success stories does not fit that mold uh guys that get on base are usually the most successful um you know maybe not the big star power that bring like you know all the girls want to see or whatever but Jake, you know, doesn't knock the ball out of the yard a ton. And I feel like that's almost more his choice. You know, he knows that he's better off hitting line drives. And I feel but like he could hit more home runs if he wanted to with a little bit less average. Yeah, I agree. Um, yeah. Small, on the other hand, he's climbing up those draft boards a lot. He, if you look at, this is something I thought interesting. Casey Mize was the wow. first round of the first overall pick last year.
1: And Ethan Small, Small destroys Casey Mize's stats.
0: Small's stats. And it's different because you know you want the guy that you might want the guy that throws the hardest or the guy that you know has the the most devastating breaking ball or whatever. But small stats at every you know measurable every measurable he has is better, more strikeouts, better record, lower ERA, uh, lower WHIP. You know, and look at what um, Casey
1: Mize is doing makes... in the in the minors right now. Doesn't he have a sub huh? one ERA?
0: Oh, he's he's killing him. So he he's he's they they made the right pick. But if Ethan is that much better against the same competition because they're both in the SEC, you know how? What? Why wasn't Ethan in the conversation with this number one pick sort of thing? So I know the rushman kid at Oregon State is a position player that's probably going to go first, or maybe Blade out of Vanderbilt. But after after pitchers, you know, his name's coming up, but I still haven't heard it in that number one pick conversation. Um, I do think if he did go in the first round, it wouldn't surprise me though. Yeah, I agree. all right you good yeah i'm good all right well i'm good too and this is uh that'll conclude the first episode of uh state shockwave thank you for listening uh praise the lord and go dogs see you next time